Well, hello there, podcasters and Born Funny fans. Well, hello there. Welcome to Born Funny. This is the podcast you've been looking for. <laughs> this is the podcast you've been looking for. This is the podcast you've been looking for. <laughs> this is the podcast you've been Oh. Maybe that's how we start because I mean a, a running bit here is for the start of Born Funny is I start in a different way every time. Maybe I Do start you? it. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention. Have you been paying attention? No, that's a different show. This oh. is a podcast called <laughs> Born a, Funny. That's a TV show on Fred Aware. You're here. <laughs> I can't think of another working dog show. Um, uh, they, they had that cartoon. What was that cartoon that they had? Remember? They did no. a cartoon. You don't remember that? No. They did. Why are you so angry? They did. <laughs> no, they had a cartoon. It did a bloody cartoon. It was called There's some niche references. Some people probably don't even know what a working dog is. And Star Wars, oh, if you're not that... a Star Wars fan, you know what he was. Oh, the surely there's a few. I reckon the majority would. I'd say the Star Wars one, probably some people got. But yeah, working work... dogs are very, you have to be in the biz to know what that is. Yeah, it's a, it's a production company. That makes, have you been paying Comedy attention? Shows. Thank God you're here. Okay. I think one of our producers has just sent through who the, um, where is it? Producer Grace. Pacific Heat. Pacific Heat is an Australian adult animated sitcom co-created by Rob Sitch, Santo, and Tom Gleisner from Working Dog. I've never heard of that. What was it about? Don't look down and read it again, mate. <laughs> well, I didn't watch it. I just oh, know it was around. I thought you watched it. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was about. Producer Grace just sent me a screenshot of it on... <laughs> you mean unemployed Grace. Sorry, unemployed Grace. I don't know. Pacific Heat. I think it was... I think it was... They were cops. I'm pretty sure they were cops. Yeah. So this episode of Born Funny. <laughs> was that what we're doing? Also, we're, we're off for a while. Um, actually, no, I'm not. We're doing Drive for two weeks. Forget what I said. Yeah. And also, this is... Like, this will just keep churning. Yeah. We'll keep going. Forget everything I just said. <laughs> because this is a good... <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> Gone. Oh, we're not out. We're not on for a while. <laughs> we're here. We're, we're not on at all. We're doing drive. Yeah. 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah. Matter of fact, we're the opposite of off. We're the most on we've been. We've been so, I mean, this might not sound like we're on, <laughs> but I promise we're on. This podcast is good. Nick Cody. Oh, is it Nick? Nick Cody. We love Nick. Episode eight. Eight? Eight? Yeah. Eight? Episode eight? Yeah. Eight? 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 Episode eight. <laughs> Episode eight, Nick Cody, very, very funny. Very funny. Um, had a an interesting kind of relationship with comedy at the start, didn't he? <laughs> you yourself, you doing like a... I had an interesting relationship. To be fair, as I said that, I grabbed a whole stack of papers that looked like I was about to rip into a monologue. <laughs> I had an interesting relationship with comedy as a child. I was born a performer and... Uh, I remember, yeah, Nick Cody, I mean, he tells his story about how he kind of started doing a few gigs every now and then, and then... um. This isn't a great story because I'm about to go. And then just, he started doing more. <laughs> you know, enjoy the podcast. Ah, funny people. An odd bunch, really. Not your usual folk. They've been making us knee slaps since the ancient Greeks. But what makes these real-life jesters tick? Perhaps today we should ask this person. Hey, Legends, it's Nick Cody here. Tell me, were you born funny? Absolutely not. All right, Nate, please get the round of applause ready for a stand-up comedian, radio host, actor, dickhead, uh, who has sold out shows around the globe and got some pretty good reviews. He is Nick, uh, the Nick part of Melbourne's Fox 101.9's breakfast show, Fifi Feven. Nick. Uh, he was on Conan O'Brien's late night talk show, becoming only the fourth Aussie to do so. Will he be on Conan's podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend? Probably after this. He's also no stranger to the podcast world. He's teamed up with the award-winning stand-up comedian and your mate, Luke Heggie, to put out Mid-Flight Brawl, a weekly comedy podcast about air rage incidents. He was once the face of Carlton Dry, a career highlight for me personally. Please welcome to the show, Nick Cody! Nick Cody! Yes, yes. We, Thank you. We did it, Nick. We did Thank it. you. Um, look, to be honest, uh, first things first, Nick, you do breakfast radio, we do nights radio, so I just mm. want to say you're welcome because we've come in real early. Yeah, uh, just guys, to get what you, are you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a tough time. What, what's the sleep schedule for you guys? Shit house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm the same. I do brekkie radio, I do gigs at night. I've got two kids under five, whatever. Yeah. I, I know I'm not making it to 70. That's all I'll say. You know what I mean? I think Let's did, have fun we did, now. We did something on the show the other day and it was like, um, you know, if, uh, if you're not sleeping that well, it could put you in an early grave. <laughs> oh, I hate those fees sometimes on our <laughs> breakfast show. Hey, guys, do you know how bad it is to not get enough sleep? I'm like, why are you... 
Why are you saying it here? <laughs> we, we did one the other day, Nick, because we also do weekend brekkie. So we do nights and yep. we also do weekend brekkie. Oh. And we did a thing the other day. <laughs> and the yeah. story was, without, was that we did this on a breakfast show. It said, if you're up early on the weekend, you'll probably die. We said that as we're doing breakfast radio yeah. on the weekend. We're f- After a gig on the sunny coast last year, I hit the deck. <laughs> I fainted like a tent. I don't know what happened. But, but bloody Mr. Darcy walked in and I've, I've fallen over. And uh, the the doctor got everything checked at the hospital. I was fine. I was dehydrated, hence my big old water bottle now. Yeah. And uh, he said, what do you do? And I said, breakfast, radio and stand-up. And he said, you work at both ends of the day? Yeah. I said, yeah. And the doctor said, don't do that. <laughs> and I go, all right, man, I'll just tell the bank. Hey, take the house. <laughs> I the doctor yeah. told me not to. Tell your, yeah. t- your two children uh, you can't have food. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the doctor said, doctor's orders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Under five-year-olds are now busking on the streets of Melbourne. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they're good. Get Nick, around them. Nick, you're the, the ninth person we've had on the podcast. And Thank you. One of the things. Illustrious <laughs> ninth. Yeah. Top ten, bro. Top, top ten. ten. Beautiful. Top yeah, ten. that's a better way to put it, actually. Yeah. 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 Saving the best for last. Maybe this is the last one. It's not. We finished. Wow. It's not. No, no shut we, up. Oh, no. We've got three more this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one of the things that when we were doing research on, on some of our other guests, there was a lot of stuff out there on their on their childhood and, and where they sort of began and stuff. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, we could find out about your wife. We know you've got mm-hmm. two kids. But apart from that, there wasn't a lot of your personal life out there, not even on your website. Is that a is, well, have, have you made a choice of that or is just people are lazy and haven't set up your Wikipedia page? Well, no, I don't have a Wikipedia page, which is a, a bit flattening. But uh, <laughs> also... <laughs> Oh, what else do I have to do just to get a Wikipedia? Yeah. I see like people that came 15th on The Voice. They've got one. <laughs> they do. I don't want to lie. I'm better than you. I should have a Wikipedia page. Well, you should. Now, we, were, we were going through your career. You've got so many highlights. You've done so many things. And we were like, I, he doesn't have a career. I, th- I think what it is is the people you can find the, the early, like maybe they have autobiographies out and they, yeah. you know, those first few filler chapters. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, yeah. when I was in grade one, it's like, who gives a shit? This is a rock and roll biography. <laughs> I want to see you set someone on fire and kick a TV out a hotel window. You know, that's yeah. why I'm reading the fun bits. Yeah, so but no, you... as a as a kid, I grew up in Hoppers Crossing, three hundred two nine, represent uh, the west western suburbs of Melbourne. Yeah, um, mate, pretty just stock standard. You know, Burbs childhood, played footy. Yeah, loved comedy. My parents um, let me. I remember one of my earliest memories. I was about five or six, and they let me listen to the pick of Billy Connolly. <laughs> Great. We had a record player. They had Billy Connolly records, and I'd listen to that and ask them why certain things were funny, and they'd explain to me, this is why adults find this funny, and he had a song on there called Divorce. Yeah. I was like, what's a divorce? (laughs) They they explained that. I'm like, oh, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Young Nick's rocking back and forth going, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that doesn't happen. Please don't do that. (laughs) How did he make this funny? But um, as a kid, just, you know, fairly cruisy, playing footy, getting around on a mongoose villain. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just a pretty casual time. Was it a funny household? I mean, you said that your, your parents were, were explaining the, the Billy Connolly jokes to you and that. Or like, were your parents funny? Was it was it a funny yeah. household that you were in? Well, my dad was super, super smart, very dry sense of humour, and my mum is just a lunatic from Yorkshire. She's <laughs> nuts. Like, she, she'd do the old, we spoke about it on radio the other week, and I've heard some other parents hit me up and say their parents did it as well, and that was, I remember the first prank she ever pulled on me was telling me the ice cream man only plays music when he's run out of ice cream <laughs> so i'd be looking out the curtain at my mates in the street going look at these dickheads i don't even know he's gone mate it's empty it's empty boys right. um but she also got me when i was about nine or ten she said hey you may not have learned this in primary school but do you know that people when they die people in a day they die in alphabetical order <laughs> And I said, what? And she said, yeah, so if your surname, you know, is Aaron, you'd die first in the day and then it goes through to, if you're a Smith, you'd die later in the day. And I said, there's no way that's true. And she said, go and get the paper. And she, I get the paper and I open it up. Mate, go to the obituaries. I'm like, what the f***? Mum, look at it. It's in order. She's like, I told you. I told you. <laughs> why, could, why couldn't we be Cody with a K? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. A few more minutes. <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, yeah, mum, mum was always great like that. So were you, I mean, I did see that, that you did play a lot of sports growing up. Um, was that, 
your main interest? Like, what were you focusing on as as a kid? I was very studious, uh, yeah. and I I got a I went to the second worst primary school in the state of Victoria, as voted on by the Herald Sun Excellent. newspaper. It was like forty dollars a year. You didn't have to pay the fees. There was it was it, I was the IT department because my dad worked in IT. He taught me how to use computers from about eighteen months old, and the school my primary school had no money, mm. and so if any computers broke at the school, and there was only about eight of them, I'd get a call over the speaker. <laughs> Nick Cody, can you please come to 3, 4D? They'd go, the mouse is stuffed. I'm like, man, I'm seven. Oh, I'll have a look for you. But this is how grim the primary Yeah, this is how grim the primary school was. The principal lost 40 grand of the school's money, and as I said, that was only $40 per student per year yeah. on the pokies. Oh. That is... That is a bogan school. Yeah. Is that, is that um, a true story? Yeah. Oh, my. Principal lost all the school's money on the pokies. And then when the school closed, they wanted to use it as um, as a place where, you know, you know where they have places in Australia where refugees can live while they're processed? Yeah. yeah. And the federal government said, it's not good enough for that. that <laughs> the federal government that have Christmas Island running yes. and Manus Island said, this is no place for humans. <laughs> and... The, that's where I learned how to read. <laughs> so oh, I got a shit. I got a scholarship to a school called Westbourne Grammar. So I went from that school to like in a suit. There's ducks in a pond. I was like, what the f is this? This is amazing. So we you again? So you've gone from the worst promise to the high school. Um, are you? Uh, yeah, are you a studious guy playing sports? So is there is there any comedy? Is there any performance to what? Like, are you in drama? No. Are you doing any of that? No, no, no performance. My nickname was Crusher. I had bleach white hair. A neck wider than my head. Um, <laughs> I just love sport. Played centre half back in footy, middle linebacker in gridiron. Yeah. Um, just trying to knock people out. I was a, a bit of a lunatic. I loved school and I loved learning, and I had to maintain certain scores to keep the scholarship. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to go back to the bloody the school I came from. I, <laughs> I know that's not possible. They it's can't close. send me from year nine back to grade <laughs> yeah. five. But you never know, mate. I was terrified it could happen. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was mainly at the time I loved loved comedy. Um, and I remember when I was about fourteen, my birthday's at the end of April. So from about fourteen, my parents would just give me some money. At the start of March or the end of Feb when the Comedy Festival Guide would come out. Yeah. And I'd be able to pick some shows to go and watch. That's what I'd do with my birthday money. Wow. So, I mean, so you always had that love for comedy. What about like uh, with on in the sport? Like, so like in the sheds and that kind of stuff, were you ever like yeah. making jokes with, with the fellas like after the game or on the field or any of that kind of stuff? Like, was yeah. that comedy instinct in you? Yeah. I was always you know, always dicking around and making jokes and being silly. And I, I don't know, I always loved that, that side of things. And then after high school, I took a year off and I got offered a job as a nanny to travel around Australia with this family that were a part of the Australian Shakespeare company. Yeah. And the husband and wife were the lead actor and actress in this play. And they needed a nanny for their 10 year old boy and two year old boy. And, uh, I got offered the job and I didn't want to do it because we were halfway through the footy season and my high school girlfriend was from the UK. Her dad had been in the, was in the Air Force, so she'd travelled around everywhere and I'd never really left hoppers. And she slapped me and said, if you don't go now, you never get out of hoppers. <laughs> and when I came back after travelling around Australia, I remember going back to footy, I'm like, am I doing this for? This is, why am I getting rolled up to try and bash someone from Altona? I don't care. How did I just you want get, to go see the world. How did you get offered that gig? How did that yeah, babysitting did that? thing happen? So it was my girlfriend, my high school girlfriend's parents, family, friends or friends or something. Yeah. And they'd been on these tours before and the, that family had only ever hired females. Yep. And they had two boys and the 10 year old boy was just like, please pick a bloke. Yeah. And I was I was 18 and I went in for the interview and I said, what are you like, mate? And he said, footy and PlayStation. I said, F what are the odds, brother? <laughs> Me too. That's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> I've got the exact same things. <laughs> yeah, great. They're my two favourite, you know. So you, went, so you went on this and then you what you travelled around. You travelled around the country with this family. Travelled Travelled around Australia, yeah, with wow. the with the whole show, with the Shakespeare Company on on tour. So we went up all we went on a bus from Victoria up through South Australia, all across the Northern Territory, and then up through uh, far north Queensland. How long? Did, and it how was long just was mind this? blowing. How like long? Three months. Wow. And I th I think I'd been to Yarrawonga once for a week. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I've got, I've gone from that to this massive trip, and I came home and just thought, I've I've got to do this again. Did yeah. you have any? So this is after high school, yeah. 
Yeah. Did you have any yeah. plans after high school of what you should be studying or what you should be doing? Were your parents pushing you in a direction? Well, my my mum worked at a, as a receptionist at a like a high-end law firm in Melbourne for 40 years. And so I used to go in there and do work experience and everything. And I'd work in the mailroom on holidays to make some money. And I always wanted to do law. And mum took me around to the partners that she'd worked with since they were summer clerks and said, talk him out of it. He will <laughs> hate it and i it must be the only mum in the world that's talked her son out of law yeah <laughs> i'll be honest every other comedian we've chatted to has been like so i studied law and my parents yeah. really yeah, <laughs> yeah. Parents no, my, like, don't do comedy yeah no no yeah. my mum's the opposite she's like no he's funny that he, he likes fun things don't yeah. let him do this and all of the partners to their credit said mate you'd you would not enjoy this at all yeah, wow. So, I mean, when did you when did you do your first stand up gig? Do you remember when you first told like a, yeah, re- a joke that wasn't kind of in the sheds kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, I, re- I think I was maybe nine, t- eighteen or nineteen. I did the raw comedy competition. Yeah, no, got some laughs, but no good. You know, didn't didn't get through. Yeah, three times, never got through. <laughs> and I make sure when I host them now, I go, guys, I was thinking now I never made it past the first round when I was backstage on Conan O'Brien, and uh, <laughs> I thought. If I just won Raw, who knows where I could be? I could be on Kimmel. So, wow. <laughs> when you so you come out from that that tour, the Australian Shakespeare Company. Yeah. Um. What? Yeah. What? What are you doing there before you again do Raw? Are you looking to get into comedy? Like, what's your mindset at the time? You don't think it's a job. Like the only thing you really see on TV is you see the gala. Yeah. Once a year, you know, I'd get there was a DVD place in Melbourne that would sell uh like US comedy DVDs, but you don't. There's no. You couldn't see a real path. Yeah. So I think when I got back, I'd done one gig and then I got a job. I went to uni. Um, I got blind one day. I watched Jerry Maguire and I thought, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this. And I, I'm the only bloke with a hex debt yeah. due to a Tom Cruise film. Um, <laughs> I signed up for sports management thinking I'd be a player agent. Um, and when I was at uni, one of my lecturers had worked at a summer camp in Oregon in the US and I'd always wanted to go to the States. I played American football, loved American comedy, always wanted to go and then got the, got a job at a, at a summer camp in the US in Oregon. And after that caught a train across America to New York to go and watch some shows. And I don't know, I don't know who you boys are. Do you know who Bill Burr is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love Bill Burr. Yeah. So yeah. Bill Burr. From the Mandalorian. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it's honestly enough. one of the most hurtful things I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy from the Mandalorian. Yeah, 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 yeah that's great. Yeah. Love red that little head, baby red, green thing. Guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Bald head. It's like yeah. saying Warwick Kappa's from the ad with Pamela Anderson. You go, no, 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 come on. He's a footy grey. Yeah. Um, but Bill Burr has a, there's a famous show in Philadelphia where the crowd have turned on, there's 10,000 people turn on him and he destroys the crowd. And I was at that show. Oh, wow. It was for a, it was for a radio show in the States called Opie and Anthony that I used to listen to every day. They were like shock jocks. And uh, <laughs> I went over there to, to New York. to I caught a train across the country. I couldn't afford to fly. Yeah. And uh, watched the saw that show. And when I came back to Australia, I thought, I've, I've got to do this. Yeah. So right. how do you, again, like, you know, you from what you sort of told us, I don't really see anyone around you that's in that comedy space. Who do you reach out to? How do you get involved? Uh, I had a look. I believe... I think it was maybe the Herald Sun had a had a gig guide and then you'd see like Beat Magazine would have a gig guide and they'd have comedy comedy nights on. Yeah. And uh, I remember going to the Comics Lounge in North Melbourne on a Tuesday night. That was like the amateur night to watch and just try and sign up and it was just figure it out from there. And I, I was not lazy, but at, at the start, I just would never ask for things. So. Yeah. I might get a couple gigs a month and just think, oh, that's awesome. And then there's a comedian, Carl Chandler, who runs a bunch of gigs in Melbourne. And he just yelled at me sort of 2009. He's like, mate, just, just ask. If you just ask people, you'll get more stuff. And then for the next eight years, I reckon, absolute gig pig. I was out <laughs> 10 spots a week, that sort of thing, you know, just every night. All the time. Were you still doing sports management or are you giving that up? No, no, I'd given that up. As soon as I got, <laughs> as soon as I got back from the States, I thought, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't care about this. What and my mum, my mum had opened every piece of mail that was addressed to me. Yeah. Except the one from the uni that said, if you just send this back, we'll cancel your second semester. Oh. So she, she opened every bit of mail except the one that would have cost me four grand. 
You know? Great. She could have just sent it back and saved me $4,000 in next debt. Every other thing she's gone through, you know? Still paying it off. Still remember it. Yeah, I'm reminded every tax time. What about... You started with this doing breakfast radio, doing gigs at night. It's because he needs to pay off the $4,000. Yeah. I'm still in debt almost 20 years later from from a decision from Tom Cruise's... What about your, ma- your mates, Nick? Were they were they supportive of, of you wanting to give this a go, or were they kind of all just like, "Oh yeah, why not, mate? Have a, have a crack at it. We'll come down, watch, have a beer." Was that was there any of that support, or was it like, "Nah, you're not funny enough for that"? Or what what was that support like? Well, it was a bit more like in the street I grew up in, in the area I grew up in. People aren't you know people can't afford to go and do some of these silly things that I got to do. You know, traveling around as a nanny and then going to work in the states. And so I came back probably the earliest out of my mates to do these big travels. And I'd always had these ideas to do things. And you know, they're at piss ups and wanting to go to Stereo Sonic and all that sort of shit. And I just didn't, I just didn't care. Like I reckon I went to a nightclub about three times. Yeah. And I thought, not getting chicks this way. I've got to be funny. So <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> rather go to an open mic night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, work that- on the humor. So that first time you go to you go to the open mic night, you, you've gone yep. and watched a, watched a few. So when you get up for the first time, was that is that raw? The raw heat? The first time you yeah. actually get up there and do it was yeah. it was five minutes for raw or two minutes? Yeah. Five yeah, it was four or five minutes. And it went all right. And again, when I got back from the States, I did it again, didn't get through the first round, start doing other spots around town and yeah, it just. Do you remember yeah, what it goes from a spot every fortnight to one a week to two a week and then wow. it just builds over time, you know. Do you remember what your gear was like? Like what kind of stand up oh, you were terrible? <laughs> Do you remember any of the bits or the any judges of the judges were right? Um, <laughs> were you making it up on the spot or had you actually no, gone in? No, no, no. It? Yeah, written a script and yeah. oh, just that the stuff I don't do now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think I had a bit about I've got shakes. I've got this thing called benign essential tremor. Yeah. Um, it's like a it's a copper imbalance. Oh, there were. You know, jobs I can't do, bomb disposal expert, I'll never be a Jenga champion, <laughs> shit like that. If you, yeah. Yeah, you know, if you ever I see like- me with a tattoo gun, f- <laughs> you know, just, just stuff like that. Was Matt O'Connor was telling us his joke, his first joke was about him sucking his own dick. So yeah. <laughs> You'd give and, his the dad, and his dad walking in. Oh, great. But Nick, I mean, you would give the worst hand jobs. Or yeah, all the best. All the best. All the best. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. The fastest hands in the West, you know? Is there, is there a moment where you you've sort of felt like, you know, you're talking about, you know, became a gig pig. You're just doing so much of it. Is there is there a moment that stands out to you where you felt like, hey, I've... I think I've got this now. I've got a better understanding of it. I remember the first time a few years hit where I felt I was like, oh, I was in control of that whole thing. Yeah. Instead of it just walking out, and you've you know, it's a it's a crazy time for anybody that's ever performed on stage. It's um, it can be a lot. And I remember the first time I felt I oh, I think I'm doing the right thing here was it was 2012. I'd done a spot at the Comics Lounge. It was a Monday night, and uh, Bill Burr was about to tour. Uh, he was coming to Australia for the first time. He was doing the Sydney Opera House. Yeah. And my manager at the time, I'd hit up for months and months, does he have an opening act? Does he want an opening act? What are we doing? And he said, I don't know. Can't get in contact with them. And I remember on the Monday, he said, mate, I've tried everything, but there's no, yeah, I don't. The show's on Thursday. It's Monday. It's not going to happen. I said, yeah. no worries. So I do this spot at the Comics Lounge on a Monday night, and I finish, and it's only about 8.40. I was first or second on, and Carl, who I mentioned before, runs a gig called Spleen on a Monday night, and I just texted him because I'd be out all the time. If I was out and done a spot early, I'd hit up anyone else doing shows and going, is there a spot? Is there a spot? And he said, yeah, come down. I've gone down, closed out at Spleen, had a ripper, and the booker for Just for Laughs was there and I get a message the next day saying hey we sent your clip to Bill and he said would you like to open for him on the Thursday oh. I went holy oh. shit I was, <laughs> I was oh like god. oh my god like just from being an absolute gig pig <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's paid off you know it's like yeah you've been you know you've been accepted you you want to do this gig on a Thursday night and I said yeah yes yes I'm yeah. in and I remember I had about I must have had 300 bucks in the bank I owed about ten grand in credit card debt. I would have had a tax bill for a couple grand and the hex. Yeah, <laughs> and I just thought, all right, I got a few hundred bucks left. Booked a flight, booked a hostel 
I couldn't afford a hotel, um, and they weren't putting you up, the support act. It's yeah. like, just find your own way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my parents, even when I played sport, I think my favorite thing about my parents is that they've always been very honest and, and blunt. And uh, my wife comes from a family, they're all performers and things, but uh, her parents, whatever whatever her or her sisters do, they're the best. Yeah. yeah. Right? And she finds my family quite confronting, is then they'll go, well, that was a bit shit. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> f- that was shit. Mate, I was up there. I know. I'm aware. Yeah, right? exactly. But we've always been like that. And yeah. I, call, I called my dad and said, hey, dad, I'm getting open for Bill Burr at Just for Laughs in Sydney. Uh, you want to come? And he said, I thought Just for Laughs was in Montreal. And I said, no, there is that. But they've also, they've got one in Sydney now. Do you want to come? And he said, get on the proper one and I'll come to that. And I remember. <laughs> I remember, I remember being so shitty. Right? I didn't talk to him for a month. Yeah, go up and do these gigs for Bill Burr, and it was awesome. And he explained to me one night, I, the first night I finished my spot, and just go, you know who you're here to see? Please welcome to stage Bill Burr. Right, and as he walked out, he goes, "Great job! I've got to talk to you about something after." I'm like, yep. all right, and he said, "You don't, you don't know how to get the uh, applause you deserve." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Man, we're at the Opera House. You've done a great job. Uh, just stand there tomorrow and say." I've been Nick Cody. Thank you very much. Give it a second and then introduce me. He said, watch what happens. And the next night, do that. (laughs) Massive applause. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And he comes out and shakes my head. He's like, I told you. I told you. (laughs) Right? Wow. Yeah. And Will Anderson had seen me that night. Adam Hilt. There were people in the crowd that then I think, you know, I was like a rough kid from the western suburbs of Melbourne, some pretty crook gear earlier on. And then they see me do this gig with Bill, and I think it just helped, you know, get that next step and you yeah. think, all right, I'm onto something here. And two years later, uh, I got invited, 2014, I got invited to Just for Laughs in Montreal and I, I called my dad <laughs> and I said, hey, dad, guess what? Just for Laughs. And he said, the real one? I went, yes, the, the big one, yeah. Montreal. And he said, I'll beat you there. And when I've arrived in Montreal, I'd been doing gigs in the States. When I got to Montreal, he'd already checked in. To the <laughs> hotel room. Oh wow, that's sick. yeah. How good. Um, and just from there, it was you know just great. I've, I've been pretty lucky, you know. Worked hard, just doing every spot I can and taking every gig. And I'd go to the states for months at a time to do spots when I wasn't getting things in Australia. I just thought, well, f- that like Jim Jeffries has had me open for him. Bill Burr. I'd rather go overseas and keep working there until people here start to you know take notice. Can I can I ask when? So you know you, you do that thing, Bill Bear, obviously huge. Um, you know you feel like you sort of made it. You got that two year gap there. You're doing Montreal. Your dad's like, yeah, right, the real one. Um, yeah. where, but you said you know you got three hundred dollars in the bank account. You got all this debt. When does it feel like? I guess you're earning a living from comedy. Yeah. When did it switch? When it switch and over? You're like, yeah, I've got I've got good money from this. This is now you know. Well, good money still wasn't for a few years after that because everything I'd earned, I'd just put back into comedy. I'd go and live in the states, or I did. Um, 2015, I uh, went to Edinburgh for the first time and I'd gone, what had happened? I did uh, the Comedy Festival Roadshow in Asia, yep. um, which was awesome. So we did Hong Kong and Singapore and Malaysia and then I went to Edinburgh and I got offered a 30-seat room or a 130-seat room. Now, people going to Edinburgh always go, go small the first year, get the lay of the land. But I thought, F- that, roll in. <laughs> Big room. Like, <laughs> Big dogs here, Scotland. Yeah. You know, get amongst it. Over for f- Bill Burt. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um, and went in big and got lucky. Jim Jeffries and Daniel Sloss both tweeted about my show wow. before I turned up. Yeah. And it sold out the first weekend and the show, the reviews were great and it just rolled on and the rest of the shows were filling up. And yeah. uh, then the next year got to go back and it's a 190-seater and then the year after is a 250, but not making money in yeah. Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're making stuff. There was one year I think I sold like forty-eight or $58,000 in tickets and made nothing. Yeah. Because there's just middlemen and, you know. Everyone takes else. their carton and all that I'm kind of I'm putting up big posters, you know, big dogs here, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's on me. I've still got that $4,000 hex debt. The hex debt is the interest. is killing me. Just pay it off, Nick. Just pay it off. I know. No, but I've refused. For years, I was a lunatic for years. Just going. <laughs> My wife now is like, I took a real risk on you. You're a, you know, <laughs> she got unit. in low. Yeah. <laughs> she bought Bitcoin 2008. 
Can I, can I cash it in yet? Yeah. <laughs> so Nick, when you're getting, I mean, you're getting these accolades. I mean, this is the the same. This is the same guy who would do like once one show a week kind of thing and go, great, how good is this? To getting accolades from Jim Jeffries, Daniel Sloss, um, uh, Bill Burr, all that kind of stuff. Was there a moment where you were like, holy shit, like? I can't believe, like, where you kind of watched your own trajectory and were like, I can't believe I've got here. Or was it kind of one of those things? I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is pretty fun. I'll keep, I'll keep rolling on with it. Or was there a moment where you're like, I've made it? Do you think that you've made it? Or what's the. No, what's- because, man, because it's such a cruel. Stand up's like nothing else where you can have the best gig ever followed by the worst one, sometimes on the same night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I learned pretty quick to, I forget who said it. It's like, it's the old, you're only as good as your last game. And, but you, you just never know. You see superstars that fill a stadium. And then the next night they're trying new gear in front of 15 people at, at a comedy club. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I still remember I did Conan O'Brien and then the two, three days later I was in Canberra at a flower festival <laughs> with rain. I'm standing on stage, rain, it was torrential downpour and rain is touching, hitting me in the head, the electrical equipment. And I've got a sunburn from Los Angeles going, what has happened? What has happened? What a 72-hour turnaround. Like, this is insane. This is half a week later, the first gig after that. um, And that happens all the time. I've done before, like, the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala, and then I'll go and do another spot that night just to go, just get all that, you know. It's not Vodafone credit, you know. It doesn't. It doesn't roll over. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. All the good vibe. They're going to go away at some point, so you may as well go and do something else. But it's a bit snakes and laddersy, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how did you? How did you get into radio? Was that you know you talked about listening to that show in America Daily? Like, yeah. was there a, was there a passion for it? And you're like, you know, I'm doing the comedy. Like, I want to get into doing this as well. Well, I did. A, I reckon 2008. Tommy Little and I did a show together on Sin FM. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, he was what I wanted to be at the top, which was he was working so hard. And it took me a couple of years to get out of my own way. Yeah. Um, and he loved it. And, to, and he was coming in, working at Fox and Triple M, I think, just helping panel shows and doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But I never really, I never thought about it. I just loved stand-up. Yeah. Um, just kept doing stand-up. And then I think 2018... Maybe I got offered a chance to come in and just record some demos, and I did some with, I think, Becky Lucas and Luke Heggie. Yeah. Then at the end of 2018, I got offered uh, the chance to do Triple M Breakfast in Brisbane, and I wasn't from Brisbane, had no idea about Brisbane, didn't want to do it. I had a three-month-old son who wasn't sleeping. I was Mm. so tired, (laughs) just pissed off. I just wanted to go back overseas, and my (laughs) wife said, why wouldn't you just have a go? Yeah. Like, you've been offered this ridiculous thing. But sometimes I just have blinkers on. I don't think about anything else. Yeah. Um, and I'm so happy I did it. Yeah. The people I met there, I loved working with them. Uh, I didn't necessarily like my role in the show because there was serious stuff sometimes. And yeah. I just think, what a f- waste of... I'm not that person. Yeah. I can be serious, but I'd prefer to be funny. Yeah, yeah. So if it's like, hey, what are your thoughts on youth crime? Right? <laughs> and I said, a Jaden probably did it. You know? <laughs> And they'd go, you've got to be serious. I'm like, sorry, the stand-up comedian. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're just checking, you know. But, um, <laughs> but that did, you, did you get hired for the job? Because they're like, you know, um, and for those who listen to this podcast, maybe don't Nathan, I do radio, you get hired and they're like, you know, you're funny. You're going to be the funny guy. This is what you're in for. And then when you get there, they go, we want to see a more serious side of yeah. you. Can you cry yeah. for us, Nick? Can you yeah. cry, Nick? Yeah. I can the day after Super Bowl Monday when I'm <laughs> real rough. I'm crying. How did I get in here? I rode a push bike. I'm blind. Um, yeah, there was there was a little bit of that. But the people I worked and I had no, I'd never done radio in a role like that, and I had to replace Lawrence Mooney. Yeah, who's one of the funniest people in the world. Yeah, and had done radio for twenty years. Yeah, and I've done none going into a show with two people in there. One was late forties. One was early fifties. Their kids are grown up. Yeah. I've got a three-month-old, and I had no idea about rugby league, <laughs> and I was down the line a lot at the start. You know, they'd yep. be in Brisbane, and I was only going up one week a month, and the rest of the time I'd be on the road or here in Melbourne. And, yeah, it was a bit of a, you know, just a bit of a tough thing at the start. But uh, then COVID kicked in. I thought, thank <laughs> I'm on radio. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm part of that extent now. <laughs> Well, you'll still, get there. still you'll... thinking about it. Yeah, 2020. Well, I mean, <laughs> now you obviously with, with with Fev and FIFA, you're really close with it. It's a phenomenal show. How how did you go from jumping up on stage and I guess doing the stand up stuff to that to that live almost improv sense with with live radio, which you'd never done before? Was it was it a new skill? Was it one that you felt like you adopted pretty easily, or how was that transition? What I've realised about myself, I don't like sitting. I don't like sitting down and writing stuff out. 
I never yeah. do it. I do a podcast with, as you mentioned, Luke Heggie, one of the, I think, the best comedians in the world. Yeah. For 10 years, my Facebook memories pop up. 10 years ago, <laughs> we did New York Comedy Festival together in 2012, a little split show. And from that, I've been yelling Luke Heggie's name online <laughs> like a <laughs> lunatic for over a decade. And I watch him all the time. We tour together. He'll sit down, type, 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 type. I, I can do it for about three minutes, and I'm like, this let's do something else and that what i love about radio is that yeah is that they don't want me to know stuff that they're going to talk about it's like you just sit there and react be funny ask questions do whatever you want i think it's my favorite thing i didn't like it i felt there was too much structure when i first started it but i was i was thinking the wrong way about i was trying to think of it in stand-up terms yeah yep. and because of stand-up you run the whole it's a script of course it's just you control so i'd you. start a story yeah and then someone's like, well, what happened there? And I'm like, talking for? Let me finish. <laughs> yeah. I've got a point to get to. Yeah, exactly. Whereas now I think my favorite thing, I don't know what's coming and I don't care. All I'm shooting for is the best outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to get a laugh. And what I love, we talk to, you know, radio, there's death by meeting sometimes. They don't oh, mind a PowerPoint. I don't know. Talk to the, my boss, Mad Mando, yeah. who's a legend. And she'll say, I love this and this today. And I said, Mate, I've got to, I can't explain it enough. I didn't know I was going to say that until 0.2 of a second before I said it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't plan it because I don't know what everyone else is going to say. And uh, I really enjoy that part of radio. You, you're a very busy guy, Nick, as well. Like we've, I said, you mentioned our ninth guest so far. I've chatted with a lot of comedians and a lot of Stop comics. Stop saying ninth, and- man. <laughs> top ten. Top, top ten. ten. Top ten. Top ten. Thank you. UFC ten. terms. Yeah. Yeah. Better. <laughs> ninth, me, you're not I, making the finals in <laughs> AFL, but if you say ninth ranked, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you might have you're a the, shot at the title one day. You're the Carlton of uh, interview guests. <laughs> not <laughs> Just there and thereabouts. No, it's year, year of the Blues. My Blues friends are booking AFL grand final tickets. I don't know if we want to call them the Carlton either. No, mate, they're great. They're great. No, we did actually. Sidebar: We actually did try to get you on this very early, but there was a lot of issues. You're a busy guy. You're yeah. overseas, but I guess that sort of speaks to the point. You're a really busy guy. We've had a lot of people who, you know, sort of comedians get into radio. They're they're loving it, but then they're like, I don't have the time to do the stand up. So then they leave radio to go back and do their stand up. If have you ever felt like that, or have you you feel like yeah, a bloke? That, but you're also like, do you love being busy? Yeah, I yeah. I enjoy it. I talk on stage about it. That my you know my wife comes from a great family. Everyone's well off. They're fine. And I came from the second worst primary school in Victoria. So <laughs> like, I feel like if I don't keep working, you go, shit, I'm going back to the principal that lost all the money on the pokies, you know? Yeah. So I like being busy, but my wife is great at just going, mate, you've got to relax, enjoy yeah. life. You know, we've got a four-year-old and a 20-month-old and uh, it goes quick. I've tried to be smarter about it out of COVID. Like I may be the only bloke that COVID helped, <laughs> as in I... 2019, that first year of Brecky Radio, I was away about eight or nine months. We had a newborn. I was saying yes to every gig. And at the end of 2019, my wife went, mate, you, you are mental. This is not, this won't work if you keep doing that. And so 2020, I had the year off booze yep. and COVID kicked in. And uh, it was a nice, nice little reset, you know. Now, instead of doing gigs every night, I, it, it's in my gut. I, if I'm sitting at home, I'm like, you lazy piece of shit. <laughs> You know there's three gigs on tonight. Oh, and I'll I'll be almost talking to myself, and my wife's like, I can hear you, you <laughs> lunatic. Just so I try and instead of going out every night, go I'm going out three nights, yeah. but I'll do two spots or yeah. three spots. So I try and get the same amount done, but just across less nights. Does your wife find you funny? And I mean, your twenty month old is probably too early, but the the four year old oh, Max is great. <laughs> yeah, they're, no, they're good. Um, yeah, my wife and I find her hilarious. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the things that I'm I'm very lucky that uh, that yeah that was the first thing that we loved about each other. Great, we find each other yeah very funny, and even in the most stressful times, we can just be f- idiots. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is what which is what you want when there's two kids that aren't sleeping and. <laughs> yeah, you need to have someone in your corner with a good sense of humour. Well, will you use? I mean, that's a good that's a good point. Will you use humour to to get through those tough times when when the kids aren't sleeping? It's two a.m. in the morning. You got to get up for brekkie radio. Like, are you and your wife? Do, are you doing gear in the middle of the doing night? Gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes I'm going. Will you guys just shut the f- up? <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone shut the f- up, but. Uh, <laughs> It's it's hard because you get angry in the dark and you turn the light on. You go, oh, that's a twenty month old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I haven't been cut off in traffic, 
it's not an adult. It's yeah. a tiny, tiny person. Yeah. And, uh, my son the other week for the for for years I'd I'd been able to go ah far and. He would, if he stubbed his toe or dropped something, he'd say, "Uffa, uffa," because he, he <laughs> thought that's what you said. But he yeah, didn't yeah. know I was stopping myself from going, "Yeah, f- <laughs> idiot." <you're laughs> f- but now the four-year-old recently, uh, the the baby woke. You know, I'd put him down, come out of the room. I'm out for about three seconds, and I hear the crying through the monitor. Yeah. And I went for, I, I just went for, and my four-year-old said, "Daddy, don't you say." F- <laughs> Don't you say f- <laughs> f- bad word. I'm like, oh, man, you stop saying f-. And I was, Me? You? How does your, four, bro. You said, how does, how you does your wife feel that. about that? Is she fine with it or she's like, oh, mm. the first time you, you know, the hardest bit is you're not allowed to laugh at it because then they do it again. And if you yell, they know it's bad. So you can't do it again. And the, the first few times he said it, it's uh, my wife stared at me, walked out of the room. Yeah. And I thought, f- I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah. And I found her in the bedroom crying with laughter, like head under a pillow. And I was like, oh, thanks. I, th- I thought you were going to yell at me. And she's like, why would I yell? You hear how he said it? It's yeah. definitely you. Like, it is your voice. Fuck it. I don't say f- <laughs> Raise correctly. Oh, that is so good. Oh, shit. Is there, is, there, is, there, is, there, is there a big part of, like, when I look at, you know, your comedy and stuff, and, and I actually, I'll be honest, like, I find you very, very funny. And, and I think that, you, you know... Um, I see a lot of, you know, there's the... Bump me up the rankings there, boys. Come on, man. Uh, I feel we... like I'm pulling a fifth or a fourth here, you know? I'm stuck. Uh, you got a big season ahead of you, mate. Yeah. Work on it. Go blame, to blame everyone at the Fox. Yeah. We've sent 30 yeah. emails and they're yeah. like, Nick's busy. Nick's yeah. in America. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Leon! Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. It was Leon Shergren. He, you know what? We sent Leon no, I... a... Leon's an EP. He's a mate of ours. We sent him an yeah. email. We're like, we want to get um, Nick Cody on. And Leon goes, well, you don't want to get me on? Because <laughs> yeah. I can do it. Yeah, you should, I should have sent him in. Go, Leon, don't let him have video. Just say you're me. Just say. As a bit. Just see As how long bit. they can yeah. figure it out. I'm waiting for Nick to take the mask off and it's Leon and it's yeah. going, yeah. yeah. You, yeah, yeah look, I love you. And, and there's obviously, you know, that, that um, Australian comedians making in America, I, I don't know how that is. I don't know how hard it is to do, but I see a lot of that. I see a lot of Bill Bear in you. I see a lot of Jim Jeffries. And I know Bill's not, not Australian, but is that something you feel like you still want to do that you want to conquer? I know you go over there, but would you love to, you know, I don't oh, know, I'd, move over there? And I'd love to, but my wife keeps bringing up oh, school shootings. I go, oh, God, Luke's just, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's flat. It's real flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she'll say she doesn't want, you know, all of our family are in Melbourne. Yeah. All of our mates are in Melbourne. We want to, you know, I used to be just a psycho for years and I'd be away eight, nine, ten months of the year living in the States, go to the UK, just go everywhere all the time. Yeah. And of course, I'd, I'd love to, um, but I also have been lucky enough to see those like a Jim Jeffries and Bill Burr, and I'm like, I don't, I don't. First of all, I don't have that. They are the best of the best of the best. Yeah, and I don't have their personality. I think a lot of those big names have a personality where they're good being alone for long stretches. Yeah. Whereas my the thing I didn't realize I'd loved about radio is that it it's like a footy team. Yeah. And um, it's it's the best. I love coming in every day and dicking around and. You know, you come in and you see the same people. When I'm back on the road again, if it's too long, I start just going, F- oh, I get so bored. Like when I'm backstage by myself, yep. it's the worst. <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather be doing like chatting nonsense yeah. up until they say my name. And I yeah. go, yes, let's okay. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think um, that came from playing like playing a lot of sport, being in the household that you were, where it was a household where you were doing bits oh, and all that kind of stuff and yeah. talking shit? Like that is so innate within you. That when that's taken away, you're like, oh, this is a bit shit. Yeah, and I get, yeah, I just get, oh, if I'm just by myself for too long, it's no good. I'm not achieving good things if I'm left to my own devices for too long. So, <laughs> as much as I get annoyed with the kids not sleeping or whatever, it's like oh, I'm just so happy that I've got everyone around me. You yeah, know, that that that's around me, and um, yeah, it'd be nice again to go back to the states and and get some, you know, do some bigger things. And but I just, you never know. I. I just can't at the bank. I can't go, bye, kids. You know, I'm going, <laughs> going away for four months, yeah. you know. I mean, you can. Um, it's just probably not great. <laughs> it's frowned upon. Yeah, it is yeah, really, of course. It is really, yeah, of really frowned, frowned upon. upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know my wife's gone away for a few weeks for different things and I'm stuck with the kids and I'm like, jeez, yeah. I, 
as much as I'd love to say sayonara, see you at bloody Christmas, I know <laughs> I know what I'm leaving behind and yeah, I just yeah. can't do it. Dad will send you a postcard. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, Nath mentioned there, one of the things I feel like a key theme in, in sort of your, your career in the entertainment industry, not just stand-up but also the radio and stuff, is it's everything you learned playing footy, playing sports, you know, the team mentality, your work ethic. Would you put down a lot of your success to those things that you learned so young? Yeah, maybe I never, like I was, uh, my coach always laughed that he said I was the only kid that wanted to play in the back line. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I loved it. I, and gridiron was the same. I played uh, halfback, so running back on offense, but yeah. middle linebacker and safety on defense. And I've, I love the, um, you know, it's on me here. Like they're going to score if I let people down. Yeah. I think that thing with radio, like these days, last night I had a corporate gig. The gig didn't finish until 11. I had about eight Ubers cancelled back to back. I didn't get home until after 12. And so I'm in bed about 12.30. The alarm goes off at 4.30. The kids have been kicking me in the head. They've hopped in our bed and they're just bashing me while I sleep. <laughs> and I get up at 4.30 and I'm cooked. I am cooked. Yeah. And I just think, well, this is the week fees away. This is the week, Fev, it's just Fev and I yeah. in the street. And you go, well, you can't. It doesn't matter how you feel. Yeah. You've got to go in, you know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe those are things from footy. We just go, well, I'm not going to stop. No one else will stop. So, yeah, I'll just keep going. And the game goes ahead on Saturday, whether or not you're you're ready for it. Much like 100%. radio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah that, that, that is the nice thing about it. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just that, that resilience is, a, is an interesting point as well. Like we've spoken to, to quite a few different comics who are all saying, like, they were told that they weren't funny or that they should do something else or they didn't have the support of the people around you. Would you say, like, a lot of the success in, in comedy and stuff comes from that resilience, going, like, when you f*** up, when you bomb, all that kind of stuff, you it's just like, just to, keep going again. You have to keep going. You just have to keep going and you think, well, I've got to figure out. The, and that's the thing about a new tour every year. You get an hour. And the last year I did a, a tour of Best Of of the last few and then recorded it for a, recorded a special. Yeah. It should be out soon. And that's even hard because it's like your Best Of that you've worked on for a few years and it's just tight and every bit's killing. And then you, you're going up at an open mic and I'm going, oh, my kid, oh, f- that's not going <laughs> to any good and 200 people staring at you go how did it come to this again like it's just reset it's like back to pre-season you go yeah, well, yeah. I was fanging in the grand final I was running so fast yeah. now I feel like shit we won I kicked five <laughs> stags yeah and uh, yeah I think there, there must be a thing from that sport and a team team environment that I you know I really like and you just think, well, if I if I don't turn up, then other people in their head might go, well, f- if I feel a bit off, yeah, I won't turn up, yeah. and that that can spread. Um, and I'm very lucky here that everyone's so up for it and loves the show, and everyone in the team are up and about all the time. It's such a such a good vibe in here for a you know a thing where people are getting in at four in the morning, five in the morning. Um, you just want to be a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, Coach, one of the things I love about you is the rela- your relatability, uh, be that like on the radio or with your jokes and, and all that kind of stuff. It's it's all very relatable, even the way that you talk about now. People listening to the show who go, oh, I didn't, like, I didn't grow up in like a performative background. I don't really have that kind of outlet and do potentially wanting it to get into comedy. What would you say to those people who were like you, maybe didn't have like, you know, the glitz and glamour of growing up in the, <laughs> the most affluent <laughs> suburb, but you know what? Yeah. I want to get out of Manus Island and I want to do some comedy. Well, now it's probably the best time. You've got so many. You've got podcasts, YouTube. There's so many ways to consume comedy, and there's so many different ways where you hear people tell their stories, how they got into stand-up and what they did, and comedy's just massive at the minute. There's open mic nights somewhere, or, or even if you want to act, there's different ways to get into that, and there's different ways to get into radio, and um, just just have a go. Like, I did not grow up in a performative household. No way. It was School at sports. That's it. They'd, yeah. Every year, my high school would they'd put on a musical and they'd send out uh, a ticket request thing, and it would have one, two. So they'd have boxes: one, two, three, or four. How many tickets would you like? Tick one. Yeah. And my mum every year would draw another box and write zero, <laughs> and tick that. And she said, "I'd rather have hot pokers in my eyes," <laughs> and would send that back. She's great. Yeah. So it was. You know, when I started doing this stuff and my wife's one of her sisters is an unbelievable singer. Yeah. She's doing a bunch of radio stuff and touring at the minute. And um, my wife is an actor that's been in a bunch of TV shows. She stole Delta Goodrum's boyfriend. 
Actually, oh, neighbours. Yeah. That was how, how Delta Goodrum kicked off. That was my wife stealing her boyfriend. <laughs> awesome. And then she sung the sad song and bus. Oh, that, was, yes. I yeah, do. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Holy shit. That was my wife. Edwina Valdez. Wow. Um, the, the queen of temptation. The ad I play all the time. <laughs> I was tempted by the queen of temptation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, they grew up in a house where the arts are a, like, I'll go over to the, it'll be someone's birthday and someone will bring out a guitar and sing a song that they wrote for this situation and it takes everything in my being to not go back to hoppers and just go, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> nice guitar, head. Like I just, it's it's in there and I'm learning to not say, nice poem, you <laughs> dork, you know. Someone's written a jingle on radio and open up. You're like, nice open up, dickhead. No, no, but that, see, that's where it's quite the opposite. Leon's yeah, yeah. the jingle king. Yeah, I love good. the jingle. But when it's um, when it's like a serious, how I've written this short story to tell about our love for each other and how much I uh, appreciate your friendship, I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> Pussy. I yeah, I can't help myself. I, it's, it's in there. and I'm, Every year I'm p- pushing it down and the hairs are getting greyer. And... Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, when you, I'm trying to be more open. My wife showed me so many great things. Got me into good food. Got me into musicals. Got me into Cirque du Soleil. All these things that yeah. I would never have ever seen. You know, if I was playing footy and opera. But Nick, would you, when you look back, you know, those early days, would you change anything? Because you didn't have, you know, any any sort of, you know, comedians, any sort of entertainment and stuff around you. Or are you sort of happy with how it all turned out because it shaped you into the person you are today? Yeah, I'm pretty, well, yeah, I'm pretty happy where how it's all going and how it's gone. And uh, I'm very grateful at the things I've got to do in the past and things I get to do. Yeah, I just wish I'd, uh, those first few years, maybe worked a just a little bit hard. I'd, I'd worked harder. Yeah. Instead of, I was just sort of like a stunned mullet just sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, I wish I'd gone out and, but then again, it's like, oh, who, who cares? We just yeah. took his time. <laughs> Which is what we love. Nick, Nick Cody, mate, we cannot thank you enough for, for coming on Born Funny. Uh, the way we finish this is just by answering this simple question. Jim, what do we think? Nick Cody, Born Funny, yes or no? Well, I mean, he did say at the start that he wasn't, but um, unfortunately, Nick wrong. Yeah, yeah funny. <laughs> You're born yeah, funny, funny, mate. mate. <laughs> Absolutely born funny. Uh, mate, we can't thank you enough. Uh, go jump on gofundme.com forward slash Nick Cody uh, to donate to his hex debt. Uh, he's still Please. trying to pay for that. So. Oh, the interest. <laughs> I was only there for six weeks. It's killing me. I can't get a mortgage. Yeah, it, wa- it was $4,000. It's like fourteen or forty oh, now. man. I've made a terrible decision. Thanks for nothing, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> you asshole. Good on you, Nick. Thank you so much, mate. We really appreciate mate. it for coming on the pod. Thanks, Apes, gents. Really appreciate it. Oh, hey, you're still here. Well, you must have liked this then. I may as well give you a sneak peek for next week. It's, it's another, another funny person. Auntie Donna. Oh. The stars of Auntie Donna's Coffee Cafe on ABC. Who gave us stuff like this. I thought we were all going to say Auntie Donna in unison. Oh, I feel a fool. <laughs> you should have set that up beforehand. I just thought that's what I thought You've that's made a fool of Auntie no one but Donna. yourself. Yeah, they can. Can we just try together. one more time? No. Uh, we don't have time. That's good. <laughs> more from them next week. See you then. Listener.